Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. This is the Ad Week podcast where we talk about marketing, media, advertising, pop culture, because in the end, everything is an ad. I'm Christina Monlos. I'm a staff writer at Ad Week, and I produce this podcast. With me today is Jason Lynch, TV writer, and Charles Getz, social editor, for a bonus episode where we'll talk all things Oscars. Jason, you were, uh, you know, diligently reporting last night can you tell us a bit about the preliminary ratings yes so um for live events it's always uh, it's always hard to to know for sure until later in the afternoon so i think when this podcast posts i'll have a story about the final ratings uh but the the early word is that um the ratings are down slightly from last year's telecast which was already the third lowest rated of all time, it had, I think, 34.4 million. And in the 1849 demo, it had the smallest audience in two decades. That said, last year's telecast was still the number one, was still the most watched entertainment show of the year. Uh, and I think number four, number five overall, number four overall, sorry, behind only the Super Bowl. Super Bowl post game and Game Seven of the World Series, and it still was uh, the Oscars were watched more than any single night of Olympics coverage. So, even though you've got this kind of downward trend as far as overall entertainment telecasts go, it's still probably going to be the most watched show of the year. Now, do you think because of the like Steve Harvey Moonlight La La Land uh, moment that it's more likely that people will be like, gotta watch live, gotta know what's going on. I mean, maybe that that is obviously going to be something that we'll have to see if that reflects in the ratings next year. I mean, at that point, it's at the very end of the telecast, so it didn't really factor into this year. Had that happened in the middle, I think maybe as word had spread on social media, you may have had more people tuning in saying, well, what's going on? This is crazy. But as it was, that happened with about three minutes left. So by the time people who weren't watching heard about what was going on, the, the telecast was already over. Yeah, that was a crazy moment, especially to see on social media. I don't know if you were paying attention to those channels, Charles, but, uh, you know, so many gifts of Warren Beatty, like looking confused and <laughs> uh, the the one of the producers of La La Land sort of turning over the card and showing that to the TV. I mean, that was kind of an incredible social moment. What did you think of that? Uh, yeah, it, it was phenomenal. Uh, I think, yeah, people, it was one of those moments where, where people even online were so confused and shocked that it happened that they couldn't even formulate complete sentences. So just a Twitter feed was just like one word waits or what, even like the New York times live blog 
like their commentators couldn't even figure out how to say more than just like what's happening right now. Everybody thought it was fake, and that's why he had to show the card. Even then, people were still confused. And now you have great memes of people <laughs> photoshopping uh, other movies on top of that. The photo. only one that I've seen is the Beyonce lemonade Photoshop. But there was also a moment on social media where people were like, is Leonardo DiCaprio responsible for this? There was a conspiracy theory that DiCaprio was to blame and i love that conspiracy theory Wait, um, how would this be with just dicaprio's revenge be- even though he won the oscar <laughs> last year because allegedly he like people thought he hadn't handed emma stone the envelope which i guess you're supposed to hand the person who wins the envelope the thing is that there are actually two envelopes of each winner and I and Emma Stone said backstage afterwards, she was like, I had my envelope not to like start stuff, but I had it. So <laughs> also, she was also here, clutching her Oscar when they started taking the Oscars away from people. She was clutching hers like I already this is one I won already. <laughs> please don't please don't touch it. Yeah, um, I, I think a conspiracy would be great. And I would love that to be the case. But I, then you would be banking on like Warren Beatty doing what Warren Beatty did, which I don't think like most people probably I don't know. Live television. He was he sneaking a flask like rihanna I, I don't know warren Beatty. i wasn't trying to be funny like that was an amazing moment um let's let's talk about some of the other winners i mean i'm sure your your social feeds are filled with this moment um but yeah jason were there any of the other winners that you think we should i mean let's let's talk about them i don't know yeah, I mean it's it's hard. Everybody now it's hard, it's very easy to forget that there were actual Oscars handed out last uh, last night, aside from the Best Picture category, because that is kind of blocked, obliterated everybody's memories of what I thought um, overall was was a pretty solid telecast. Um, you know, one one thing that um, because you've got all these award shows now, it almost seems like every week during award season. Everybody, you know, Viola Davis wins so many times, and certainly it's deserving, but there is a sameness to this, which is kind of also what was so great about Moonlight's surprise win is because there had been this, uh, this all this momentum for La La Land. Um, but I thought, you know, a couple of things that I would want to highlight is one, um, I thought it was, you know, O.J. Made in America, which... Uh, you can debate whether that was a TV, uh, you know, a TV documentary, a movie documentary. I had it on my best of TV list last year. I think 99% of people who watched it watched it on TV and not in a movie. But I thought that was uh, that was terrific. And you know, for me, you know, looking at this from a TV perspective, the fact that you have ESPN, Amazon, and Netflix all walking away with Oscars for the first time, and if we, you would have told anybody that. Three years ago, five years ago, they would have thought you were crazy. And you have these these companies that are, are um, five years ago weren't even well. ESPN obviously was in the entertainment business, but Netflix and Amazon weren't you know, walking away with Oscars now, um, which is which is pretty spectacular. And it just shows how much this industry has changed. Yeah, um, as as we were watching the broadcast also side note i'm from rhode island so i was very much rooting for for viola davis and super excited to see her win but anyway as we were watching this uh this telecast there was um you know there were all of these moments that it was like okay clearly um they're you know showing you this uh tablet because samsung has paid for this integration and samsung really needs you to know that their products work and they don't blow up um, but then you had this whole candy bit, um, 
with Red Vines and uh, Mike and Ike's and Junior Mints. And we heard from a couple of the brand managers from, uh, I think it was the Junior Mints manager who was like, uh, we're just as surprised as you guys. <laughs> so it's easy to assume that everything is an integration, but I guess with the candy, it wasn't. I don't know. I don't know if I believe them, but. Yeah, I think that you could tell like by the, uh, some of the, the, the brands and I was monitoring the Twitter feeds of the brands that were mentioned, those candy brands, and several of them were very slow to come on, which I would have thought that it had, if it had been an actual integration, they would have been right on top of it. So it did seem that uh, they perhaps were not aware of it. Um, but it was, it, yeah, it was interesting. I mean, it was great. Certainly, you know, when uh, there was that moment when they would kind of cut back in the mid-commercial break, and you have, uh, you have Meryl Streep eating Junior Mints, like coveting them. And if I'm on, if I'm working for Junior Mints, that is, I'm running that, you know, that GIF, I'm running that 24/7 on my site now. Basically, is you know, you cannot. You, Meryl Streep doesn't in, endorse anything, and you know now you've got her on camera eating Junior Mints. So that's that's a great win for them. Yeah, totally. Do, um, do you think that there was some like the producers were like, we need a Girl Scouts cookie moment, or? They saw how well that did, and it wasn't paid integration. Granted, that was probably a little better of like a group to promote for free than well, just Girl Scouts. That were in on it. I mean, that that was a part that was um, that w- they had worked with them on that. But yeah, I think I certainly think that the, you look back and you try to capture those moments of semi spontaneity. I, I guess that's probably what led Jimmy Kimmel to, to try and bring those tourists in, which I thought was the low point of the night. I actually thought he did a great job and. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, I've, uh, certainly anybody who listens to this, who who uh, goes to the uh, or or listens to the ABC upfronts. I mean, his kind of roasting and his monologues are the, are the highlight of that. So I knew that he would be good. He was still. Um, I thought he was better than I thought he he would have been, and kind of throughout the ceremony. But I thought that was like the big swing and a miss, where it just didn't. First off, that bit was interminable. It just went on far too long. It was unclear whether. Were we supposed to be poking? Was he poking fun at them? He kind of was. It was. It, it wasn't clear. It was like, oh, look, real people, and I. It was. It just didn't. It didn't work. Um, real people that still seemed like they were casted. Also, they were all holding Samsung phones. Well, because it was a Samsung brand integration, obviously. Right. Right. I mean, I, I had the same takeaway. I was sort of like, okay, this is a bit that could definitely play in a room of a bunch of like famous people where it's like, haha, look at look at all of these like weird like normals coming in here and taking our picture. But no, like millions of people are watching this. We are the normals. Like, come on. It sort of added to the elitism. I think it was supposed to poke fun at the elitism, but it, it didn't work. Yeah, it I mean, was, it just made the obvious comparison. I that think we're not the there. only people that were really happy about it were like Gary from Chicago, his fiance, and the fact that they got to like have Denzel record a fake wedding thing for them. Um, okay, so we're going to do an Oscars version of uh, ads worth watching, but you guys watched them last night. Assuming you saw the Oscars broadcast, and that's why you're listening to this podcast, uh, we're going to talk about all of the ads that you guys saw already. Um, Let's talk about Cadillac first, if you guys are cool with that. Um, 
they had a message of unity. They were using people who have, uh, you know, owned Cadillacs or at least posed near them. Um, what did you guys think of that spot? How did you feel about it? Uh, I I thought I thought it was a great spot. I mean, I think um, I think that much like some of the Super Bowl ads, I thought that you know whether they. Uh, kind of were intentional uh, as far as capturing kind of the, the mood, uh, the, the mood of the nation right now. I, 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 I thought it, I thought they, they did a, a great job of it. It's always a, Oscars are always weird because it's a, it's a time where you would expect there to be a lot of movie ads and there aren't any because of these weird deals that they make. So it's up to these individual brands to kind of step up and, and you know, bring their A game as far as entertainment. And uh, I thought it was a great ad. What about you, Charles? I was, I was a little underwhelmed. Um, I think I think the overall execution was was good, and they found cool footage and um, a good photo of Muhammad Ali that they had to remove his mom from because they couldn't get her to approve being in it. Um, but I I don't know. It's some of this. Maybe it's just because of the Super Bowl, and it seems like I see it all the time. But it's starting to feel a little disingenuous with the messages of unity or it's just they're almost just so vague where you're just like well they don't want to seem like ghosts for just advertising normal cadillacs right now so they're trying to figure out something but it's still cadillac so they still are trying to walk that line of in the I middle think, and i'm just yeah i, I think brands are in a difficult spot right now because they like if you're putting out a message of unity, it probably should be as powerful as it can be. But if it's as powerful as it can be, then it's so divisive that like you might lose customers. It's a sticky situation. I don't envy it, but I will write about it. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. So what did you guys think of that whole Walmart receipt thing? Uh, I was, I liked the concept of it. Uh, I was a bit underwhelmed. Uh, the first, the first one was where he was kind of assembling, using all those those uh, items to assemble a device to kind of summon a spaceship. I mean, my reaction was, well, ET did that a lot better in 1982, um, and it's obviously they spent a lot of money on each of the ads. They got huge names, but I don't understand what the point you know this is this is walmart's first time in the in the oscars but what are you what were they selling i guess they're selling themselves but it just was not clear it just felt like you were spending so much money just because you could um it didn't really change my approach to walmart other than wow they have a lot of money to kind of just throw away um so i i thought i thought it was an interesting idea but i thought the execution was off i missed the intro to the first one which i think was the anton fuqua mm -hmm. uh so i actually had no idea what was going on i was <laughs> like oh what's this ad for oh what's what's this ad for and then it happens and i was like oh is it walmart because oh no that's like those are weird emoji pillows not walmart rolling anything back and then it just ended and just moved into like a samsung ad and i was like oh okay and then i and then the next one came and then i figured out what it was or i saw it on twitter i uh yeah i'm with jason they, they spent a lot of money and got some big names but it was kind of weird i didn't find any of the short films themselves to be super compelling um it's a great you know it was a great concept like you said and i think if i was in that room when somebody had pitched that idea or something i would have been totally behind it but now it just like i mean this the evan goldberg and seth rogan was clearly like they just got stoned 
and came up with like an improv bit. And we're like, what if it, what if we just sing the receipt? And then, <laughs> and, and now we have $3 million to go make a, a short film and we're done and we saved a bunch of money and. Yeah, I mean, like, this this whole experiment also is, um, you know, getting a little heat online because they did not have any big-name female directors. Um, and, you know, the brand actually responded to my tweet, and they were sort of, not to, like, talk too much about my own tweets on this podcast. Sorry, guys. Um, but they said, uh, you know, we uh, reached out to some female directors and the timing just didn't work out. A lot of people were calling BS on that. Um, you know, say say what you will about even that. If that's, the, if that's one of those things, like, even if that's the reality of the situation and they've tried really hard, you still don't say that. Like, it's, like that's just such a thing that's I happened. I think you have to say that. I actually disagree because, like, uh, if they're not transparent about that and then a bunch of people are just like, Yo, Walmart, why are you like part of the gender gap when it comes to, uh, you know, directing um, for for movies, which is something that is talked about often in the industry. I think they have to be transparent that they tried, but then it's like in being transparent, they're realizing, oh, crap, that's a failure on our part, too, in being transparent because it's like it's clear they didn't try hard enough. Right. Easily they could have. Well, because you just you've heard that answer before for other things, and it's like, like really akin to those. Like, well, like I asked my black friend, and they didn't have a problem with it. Like, you're sort of just like, you're like it. It is. It's like you probably didn't try hard enough, and I I get it. But it doesn't. Yeah, it's like it's just one of those. Even if it is the answer, it doesn't really make anything better. Yeah, for sure. Um, So we should also touch on the New York Times spot which we've written about extensively, or at least um, our wonderful creative editor, Tim Nudd, has written about extensively. It's a spot from Droga 5. It aired kind of in the middle of the broadcast. Um, and actually, there was some really smart media placement because um, right after Droga 5 spot, they had um, Mullen Lowe's spot for Hyatt. I think it was Hyatt. Wasn't it high? Yeah, I think that sounds right. Yeah, and it was, um, you know, just this, uh, again, a beautiful message of unity from a brand. But to have, um, you know, the powerful New York Times spot be followed by the Hyatt spot was pretty smart by whoever arranged those ads. Um, What did you guys think of that? Well, I think that uh, the other thing that was, I guess, smart, although nothing that anybody had planned or hoped for was the fact that they got Donald Trump to tweet about it earlier in the day. And what that accomplished is that everybody was waiting for it, certainly on my feed. Uh, the question that I kept hearing and seeing was, did that the New York Times ad run yet? The New York Times ad run yet? And that was the one ad I think that everybody uh, going in, at least in kind of you know the media sphere, knew uh, they were gonna, there was going to be a, a New York Times ad and everybody was looking out for it. So it just... Uh, Shined a huge spotlight on that more than any other ad of the night. So, um, yeah, I, it was it was some spectacular PR work on behalf of uh, our president. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, like you said, <laughs> Tim wrote about that tweet earlier in the day, and that's quickly already one of our most popular posts on traffic and social of, like, the month, even yeah. if you include Super Bowl stuff, so... One of the things I would love to hear back from our listeners, if you guys um, would be so kind, is, uh, you know, often on our social channels, we'll get, like, stay out of politics, ad week, get out of here. But 
everything is political in this environment. So I don't know. I guess I, I, I'd love to hear, like, you know, what you guys think uh, about Trump having tweeted about this ad and, you know, if that really made it um, the, the big must watch as, as we see it. Um, obviously, just send us a note at podcast at adweek.com and I'll read it slash Griner and uh, Nud might also read it and then maybe we'll read your note on air. I don't know. I would just love to know more about what you guys think on that stuff. Um, one of the other beautiful ads of the night, um, there, most of the ads um, that did really well, I think, were the like celebration of cinema ads, mm-hmm. um, which Google did one, uh, and so did Rolex, which was like, what? Watch advertising? <laughs> okay, I guess like maybe the people watching the Oscars are like in a higher tax bracket, so people are like, all right, we can advertise the Rolex here, but you know, seeing um, it's Faye Dunaway in Network, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh my God, that scene of Faye Dunaway in Network, and then you know, just um, that also the shot of R.I.P. Bill Paxton um, in Titanic for that ad. You know, they couldn't have known how impactful that would be. Do you think there's any chance they were able to? It was no way. There was not enough time to put no that way. in. It happened. I didn't think so. They either. didn't even put Bill Paxton in the in memoriam. Which. That's ridiculous because I've worked on award shows and that could have happened easily. Yeah. Like that wouldn't have been difficult. We didn't need to see Jennifer Aniston almost cry. Like we just needed (laughs) Bill Paxton (laughs) in there. I like that they cut back a couple times to the person singing and have the slideshow in the back. It was unnecessary. Yeah. The other thing with the Rolex ad that was a little confusing is that it was almost – it's almost what you would expect is like a sizzle reel, like if you if the company was kind of like in your boardroom doing a presentation. It's almost like, look at all the great product placement we've had over the <laughs> years. I mean, I, I assume that at least in some of those instances that the, uh, the the filmmakers themselves decided to use Rolex. But for at least some of those spots, you know, Rolex, the, Rolex was certainly involved, you know, in the partnership and having that in there. So it was a little odd to have Rolex kind of tuning its own horn in that way. Um but that said, certainly, you know, the the, the Bill Paxton uh, clip, you know, really was a, a gut punch that you weren't necessarily expecting. No. It's, no it seemed not. to me like pure brand play. Like, yeah. I don't think Rolex is really expecting to convert customers. I think it, it almost seemed like they did it to pat themselves on the back. Somebody internally was like, well, why not? We're Rolex. Things are fine. We got money. Let's, like, you know, like, it could have easily started as, like, an internal marketing thing where they were just like, you know, Rolex actually has more pop culture clout than we might think, or is might more more relevant. And then somebody was like, "This is a great ad. Let's turn yeah. it into that." But yeah, I agree. It's one of those brands where it's like it's not unattainable to everybody, but it's almost to that level where it'd be like, you know, close like Tesla or something advertising during during the Oscars. You'd just be like, "Oh, that's interesting," and I guess, but are they, who are you really trying to reach with that? Yeah. Um, so my favorite spot of the night was definitely, um, Google's ad where it was just like, well, for Google earth, where it was just like, oh, we're going to take Saru's story, which you guys have, if you've seen lion, it's in lion and Google earth plays a big part of that whole story. Um, and I actually looked at Google's YouTube channel and it's like, um, back in November, I think when the film was released, they put a much longer version of that spot out. And, um, you know, just like 
leaned into the fact that they play a big role in this movie. Um, so I thought it was really smart of them to cut that down and then just be like, here's a minute version of this for the Oscars. Because remember, guys, this Oscar movie and this whole like wonderful story probably couldn't have happened without our technology. I don't know. What about you guys? I felt the same way. I thought it was brilliant. It was like such a great. It was such a great thing to take advantage of, and it just makes you feel a lot better about Google for some reason. Like that was all. You were just <laughs> like, oh yeah, Google, like, yeah, is good for old stuff. It actually has helped a lot of things. Do more of that, Google. Yeah, I hadn't seen Lion, so it was lost on me a bit, just because I couldn't really appreciate the, uh, um, you know, the the enormity of the message because. I wasn't aware of the Google relationship to, to Lion, so it didn't, didn't quite land as, uh, as, as, as hard for me. Um, well, I think that about does it for our Oscars recap. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining me. We will be back later this week, and we will talk about all the things that have nothing to do with the Oscars. Um, and probably some stuff that has <laughs> and probably some Oscars. stuff that has to do with the Oscars. Um, yeah, we we will definitely be talking about our th- agency's 3.0 package, which is up today. Patrick Coffey has a big story about um, advertising for Trump's America, how people are trying to learn how to do that. If you guys could email any questions or comments to podcast.adweek.com, just do that and we might read your note on an upcoming episode. Uh, Our theme music is by home. This week's episode was produced, well, this week's bonus episode was produced by me and edited by Kevin Eck. Please take a moment to leave a review on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. We would really appreciate that. And um, unless it's a negative review, then you can. I mean, if it's a negative review, they can just email it to me. No problem. Anyway, um, thank you guys so much and have a great week. Mm